you have your copy of the Scriptures, let me encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to continue looking at the end of Philippians chapter 3 this morning. We're going to read beginning in verse 12, but we're focusing, we're continuing our focus primarily on verses 17 and following. Leftovers. Who likes leftovers? Some. Not, not 100%. Now, if, if you're the one responsible for preparing the meals in your home, you like leftovers, right? Val and I knew someone in Louisville who wouldn't eat leftovers. I don't get it because I like leftovers. I especially like leftovers at Thanksgiving because when I'm eating the Thanksgiving meal, I feel something of an obligation to sample the vast majority of things on the table. Maybe not everything, but most things anyway. But then, when it comes to leftovers, I can focus my attention without reservation or crisis of conscience on those things that I particularly enjoy. And for me, I'm going to have to look at my notes here. It's the dressing. You ask, why do you have to look at your notes if it's your favorite thing? Because I never can remember if it's dressing or stuffing. I know there's a difference. But I have to confess, I don't appreciate what the difference is. So, but it's dressing. In our family, it's, it's dressing, and I love the dressing. Why all this talk about leftovers? Well, if you were here last week, you know that I didn't get all the way through my sermon from last week. But I pray that this morning doesn't feel like leftovers, as good as those things are. But instead, we, we continue on. But even if you weren't with us last Sunday, I, I think where we're starting and what we're going to be focusing on, you won't be lost. We can all jump in together and learn together from Paul's appeal to the Philippians to be careful in the examples that they follow. And so we want to consider this example, this call to carefully think about our examples once again together. So follow with me as I read Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained." Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, as we come to You once again this morning, God, we commit this time of consideration of Your Word to You and Your purposes. And we pray, Father, that You would be pleased by Your Spirit Block out anything that would distract us from attending to Your Word. But Father, call to mind even those things of life that we need to bring in submission to You through Your Word. So Father, we pray that You would be pleased to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts so that we might respond in faith and faithfully to what You have in Your Word for us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, as I mentioned, we're kind of picking up where we left off last week. This is part two. So, what I want to do for just a moment is review where we came from and kind of get a running start into the rest of our consideration on this passage. One of the things that we noticed last week is... The reality that as Paul calls here himself an example and points the Philippians to others that they should seek to follow, this is picking up on an idea that is prominent throughout the Scriptures. The idea that God has given to us examples of faithfulness to follow supremely the chief example that we have of faithfulness is the Lord Jesus Christ in His perfect obedience to the Father. But Paul repeatedly identifies himself as an example to emulate insofar as he follows Christ. And he identifies Timothy and other pastors and church leaders as those who are to be examples to the people of God. So throughout the Scriptures, we see that there are examples that we are to look to to grow in understanding what it looks like to follow the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully. Jesus Himself is our chief example. And then as we worked our way through the end of Philippians 3, we focus particularly on examples to reject and things that we are to distance ourselves from in considering examples that we are to follow. Some of the characteristics of examples that we are to reject that we saw in Philippians 3, we are to reject those who teach, or live as enemies of the cross of Christ. We are to distance ourselves from those who show a concern predominantly and 
maybe even only for themselves, those who are self-serving. We are to distance ourselves from those whose attention seems to be primarily, if not exclusively, on the things of this life. Even the things of this life that will remain after their passing. And here we are reminded of what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. We are to distance ourselves from those who demonstrate by their lives, by their teaching, a commitment to primarily, if not exclusively, the things of this world. And Paul writes in the middle of this explanation in verse Beginning in verse 18, but there at the beginning of verse 19, earlier in his list, he notes that their end is destruction. And this is a caution. Those who live as enemies, those who live for this life, have this life to enjoy. And hereafter, there is destruction. Now, I want to clarify one thing about these examples that we are to distance ourselves from. We have all, sitting in this room, even though I don't know all of you, and I know many of you at at different levels, some better than, than others. But here's the one thing I know to be true about all of us who are gathering here. We have been helped and we have learned from non-believers. Because of the image of God and because of God's common grace, there are things that we have and can learn from those who want nothing to do with Christ. But, friends, when we think about who we should look to, and the examples that we should learn from, particularly with regard to setting the course of our lives and the priorities of our lives and what should guide our overall perspective, friends, it is only those who are following Christ who can understand the things of Christ and understand and appreciate and who truly desire the things of Christ and what it is to follow Christ. And it is Christ. It is Christ who is the North Pole of the compass of our lives. And our lives must always be pointed to Christ. And by God's grace, He gives us faithful brothers and sisters who have come before us and who are with us now who help us grow in understanding how the compass of our lives can be more accurately directed to the North Star who is Christ. So, let's consider 
what are the characteristics of examples that we should follow, that we should pattern our lives after. Notice here, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, as we alluded to last week and just mentioned earlier, it's not only in this place in Scripture where we see this idea of examples. So, if we're going to understand the kind of examples that we ought to follow, there are other places in Scripture where we can, and I would say even where we must go. Now, our list today is not exhaustive. I'm sure many of you could come up with other things in Scripture that those worthy of following demonstrate in their lives. For example, the fruit of the Spirit. The Beatitudes, we're not even going to touch on those, but those are perfect examples. But perhaps over lunch, you want to talk about what did Pastor Greg miss today? If you were putting together this list, what's something else you might add to it? Because I'm sure I haven't found everything. I've just admitted that I haven't found everything because I know there are other places in Scriptures we could look at. That said, Let's look at some places in Scripture and what can we learn about examples that we are to follow. First and foremost, so four traits from elsewhere in the Scripture. You can note these passages down or you can turn to them if you'd like. First, examples worthy of following or learning from are faithful in their teaching. They are faithful in their teaching, especially those who teach in some way. Remember what Paul wrote in Galatians 1? Galatians 1, 8 and 9? He wrote, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Distance yourself from anyone who would even use biblical language, but is proclaiming a gospel that is different from what we find in Scripture. And that is that you can only be made right with God through faith alone in Christ alone. Anyone who teaches anything differently is not an example to follow. Paul elsewhere gives us pointers in this direction that teaching is a mark of worthy of being followed. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13, he tells Timothy, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Paul there clearly states, what I have taught you, the example that I have given you in my teaching, is the example that you are to follow in your teaching. And then later in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he tells Timothy to take this teaching and pass it on to others who will then be faithful to pass it on to others. So there is to be a chain of dissemination of faithful teaching. And only those who follow this pattern of sound teaching are worthy of being followed. But it's not just in their teaching. 
but also, I would say, in the content of their teaching. But this also points to the content, if you will, of their lives, and it's this. They're faithful in their teaching, and they exalt Christ. Or, they regularly direct attention to Christ as the one who is to be looked to. Not to themselves, not to any others, but to Christ and to Christ alone. I think John the Baptist probably captures it most succinctly in John chapter 3. Those who are worthy of following or who should be looked to to follow must echo the words of John who said, I must decrease and He, that is Jesus Christ, must increase. And last week, we're not going to read these, so I'm just going to give you the references again. But if you note down Acts 20, verses 32 through 35, 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 17, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 11, 1. I can give you those if you want to email and ask for any of these references. I'm, I'm happy to give them to you later. But in all of those places, Paul, in one way or another, identifies himself as an example, but he also points to Christ. He points his hearers' attention to Christ. Peter does the same in 1 Peter 5, a passage we read portions of last week in his directions to pastors there. He points their attention as a reminder to Christ. Faithful teachers exalt Christ. Faithful teachers repeatedly direct the attention of their hearers to the risen Christ. And what I would say on this point is is this. In all of these examples, if you are looking for something to pray for one another, all of these things are things that we can be praying about for one another. If there are things that you are looking to pray for your pastor about, I would ask you to pray for these things that I would increasingly live up to these example-worthy characteristics. But of all of them, of all of them that I'm going to mention, if I had to pick one, if you've only got time to pray for one, let it be oh, this one. Pray that my ministry and that the ministry of this entire church would be marked by a perpetual focus on the Lord Jesus Christ as our head and not anyone else. But not only are examples worthy of following, faithful in their teaching, not only do they direct attention to Christ, but they are exemplary in their relationship with the Lord and with others. They set an example in how they interact with one another. But they're also exemplary in their walk with the Lord. And here I'm thinking of 1 Timothy 4. Here is what Paul wrote to Timothy. Let no one despise you for your youth, but 
set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. The vast majority of that list is focused on Timothy's relationship with others and how he speaks to others and how he conducts himself with others and how he loves others, but also as he, and especially as he continues in faithful walk with the Lord. And then Paul goes on, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is important, Paul says. Not just Timothy's teaching, but his example. It is important for him. It is important for his hearers. So that any example that we would look to must demonstrate an example of faithfulness in their walk with the Lord and in their interactions with other people. But also, those whom we would look to must also demonstrate a life of self-sacrifice. A life of being willing to lay down their priorities. Isn't this what Paul looked to in the example of Jesus back in Philippians 2? But also elsewhere, we see that this should be a priority. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, there's that example language, because we were not idle when we were with you. And then in verse 9, it was not because we do not have the, that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So Paul says to the Thessalonians that when he came to them, though he and those who were traveling with him in their lives, they sacrificed what they otherwise could have expected in order that they would be an example in their living, in their sacrifice, in their giving of themselves, an example for the Thessalonians to follow. So examples worthy of looking to. Faithful in their teaching. They direct attention to the risen Christ. They are exemplary in their interactions with one another and in their walk with the Lord. And they are marked by self-sacrifice. You can also note Colossians 1, 24-29. We've looked at this passage a couple of different times recently, so I'm not going to read it again. But there's another place where Paul not in a boastful way, but he demonstrates how it is that he is laying down his life with everything that is in him by God's grace in service of others. But not only do we have these marks from other passages, these four, but also from this passage, we see something of what the examples that we should model our lives after look like. Now, it might strike us as not giving an example, but notice what Paul does. 
Notice again, pick up with me in verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. What has he just done? He's just given them that negative example. And then he contrasts that with another perspective. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So in this contrast, in verses 18 and 19, bad examples, and then in contrast, 20 and 21, instead, this should be our perspective, I think Paul also gives us additional marks of faithful examples. What are they? Well, first, there is a focus on the fact that our primary citizenship is in heaven. And in many of these ways, the the marks reflect the content of faithful teaching, but they should also show up in the pattern of lives. And first... Here it is a focus on the fact that our primary citizenship is in heaven. Scripture makes plain that the people of Christ are to be model citizens. 1 Timothy 2, pray for the kings and all those who are in authority. Romans 13, being subject to the governing authorities. What Jesus taught His disciples, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. The Scriptures make plain that we are to be model citizens. And I am grateful. I am grateful that in God's kindness, my citizenship is here in the United States. I'm grateful for that. All too often, Frankly, not grateful enough. But, but, friends, if your hope is in Christ, whether your citizenship is here or is elsewhere, this world is not our home. Scripture makes plain that we are exiles. We heard it in the passage that Ron read earlier in the example of Abraham and others who were looking for another place. Peter, at the beginning of 1 Peter, describes his audience as exiles in this life. And he immediately goes into a reminder of their hope that is laid up for them where their true home, their true citizenship is. This impacts not only how we think about our nationality, but it also impacts how we think about our family relationships. Think about what what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother 
in law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And some of you know this all too well. The tension and even the fracture that can come by your joyous and striving to be faithful in following Christ. Your, your joyous example, your joyous commitment to Christ can cause tension, even fracturing with family members who want nothing to do with Christ. And this is just another way that we are reminded that ultimately, this world is not our home. And that we are a part of an eternal family. We have been adopted into the family of God. And by faith, we are the children of God. A better family than any family could be in this life. And so, examples worthy of following remind us. Help us remember in what they say and in what they do that our primary residence is not the address that you live at now. It is the address to which we are to the praise of God's glorious grace going someday. And we won't need to file a change of address notification with the post office. Because we won't need that mail anymore. We won't need those bills anymore. Friends, this world is not our home. Let's look to examples that help us to remember that fact. Relatedly, relatedly, examples worthy of following are looking forward to Jesus' return to set things right. Looking forward to Jesus' return to set things right. We should advocate long for justice in this life. We should be advocates for righteousness and for those things that truly promote good for ourselves and for others in this life so that we can have a voice on political issues and even in the political realm. But those who would be examples to follow are those who are primarily looking forward to Jesus' return as the time when everything will be made right. And then and only then will we know perfection. Then and only then will we know the perfect reign of the King of Kings. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Psalm 20, verse 7. But we, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Hebrews 9.28 So Christ, having been offered to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. So examples worth following are those who are eagerly waiting the appearance of Christ and who are helping us look forward to His return. Repeatedly, in Philippians, 
Paul points the Philippians to this very thing, to the return of Christ, to being with Christ, to the completion that will be theirs in Christ. I have all of them listed here, and I was going to go through and I was going to read all of them. But I want you to go back this week. Read the book of Philippians. You can have it read probably in 15 minutes or less. It's a short little book. Look for all of the ways that the Apostle Paul is looking forward to Christ, the return of Christ, being with Christ, wholeness in eternity with Christ, the the worship in eternity of Christ. I've pointed out that before, as we've been working our way through this book, that nine times Paul uses the word gospel. Nine times Paul uses the word joy in this letter. And so we've entitled this series, Gospel Joy. Well, you know what? According to my count, nine times throughout the letter, Paul points to the return of Christ or being with Christ, eternity with Christ, as the hope of the believer. As the place where our attention should be set. So that examples that are worthy of our following will regularly help us to remember that yes, we are awaiting our home going to another place, but we are waiting for the return of our King. And the joy of eternity is the joy of being with Christ. Yes, the joy of no longer being in a world stained by sin. But that's because we will be with Christ. And we will be with Him forever. As I was putting my finishing touches on this week, I was reminded of something that I read recently. A comment from a Sunday school teacher. And this is in a regular email that I receive. And this is what the Sunday school teacher wrote. He said, I've started preparing for a Sunday school class on heaven. But in my preparation, I found that rather than focusing on the hope of heaven, Scripture is pointing us to a different hope. The hope of the resurrection and the future coming of the Lord Jesus. I know this should change the way I consider everything I go through on preparing to teach about eternity. Being with Jesus. The hope of the resurrection. Faithful examples point us in this direction. But also, notice what Paul says. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do something. And what will He do when He comes back for us? He will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So faithful teachers are looking forward to the change that Jesus will bring when He comes. The change in us that He will bring And I would say, related to this, not just the change that He will bring then, and also 
the change by His Spirit that His death and resurrection works in us now. Faithful teachers, faithful examples point us to the change that Christ provides now and when He returns. And if you put all of these together, in these ways, where is the direction of attention? It is not in this life. It is in eternity. It is our hope in a Savior who will come back for His people. Not what we can muster or accomplish in this life. Almost every time I go to a visitation for someone who has passed to visit the family, or I'm at a funeral, whether I'm attending the funeral or I'm doing a funeral, there are always mementos that are reminders of something about the person who has passed. And those mementos are helpful reminders and helpful points of reflection for those who are there at the funeral service. They prompt memories and lead to conversation about the loved one who has passed. But we know, we know that those mementos that are there are not going with the individual. They are for this life and this life only. Reminders of this life. Paul tells us here that examples worthy of following, instead of hoping that this life will last forever or continue into the future, examples worthy of following are teaching and living in light of the fact that eternity extends backwards into this life. Instead of hoping that this life will last forever, examples worthy of following help us to remember that for the believer, eternity stretches back into the present and guides us to look to, yes, a home that Christ is preparing for us, but also helping us look to Christ Himself and His return. So what do we do? How do we respond? Where do you go from here? Well, first friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know the risen Christ, you don't know the Lord Jesus by faith in Him, this is where you must begin. You cannot follow other people. You cannot ride the coattails of others into an eternal acceptance with God except one person's coattails. There is only one set of coattails that you can ride into eternity. And there is only one set of coattails that you must ride into eternity. And those are the coattails of Jesus. Trusting in Him. Relying upon Him. And striving to follow Him. So today, if you came here and you don't know Christ, will you turn over your life to Him today?
Will you surrender yourself to Him and say, apart from Christ, I have nothing? Will you lay your life in the arms of the risen Christ and strive to live the rest of your days by following His example and submitting to His teaching? But what if you're here today and you are striving to follow Christ? What do you do with these two messages together? Examples to reject, examples to follow. Let me suggest a couple of things. I touched upon some of these last week, but briefly. We need to recognize first that we need these examples. We need these kinds of examples. How do I know? Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. Now, when Paul writes, stand firm thus in this way, he's not just looking back on what he has ended chapter 3 with. It goes all the way back, I think, even into chapter 1, but it includes this looking to examples of faithfulness and distancing ourselves from examples worthy of rejecting. We need such examples to walk faithfully. This is one of God's means of grace to us in this life. So, what do we do? Well, first, who are your examples? Who have been the examples that you are looking to? To show you what your priorities are. How you should orient your life. Where have you had such positive examples? I'm sure all of us have. I know all of us who are in Christ have had examples such as these. Some of those are with the Lord. And we will only be able to thank them in eternity. But there are others who have been faithful examples to you in this life, whom you can still reach out to. Let me encourage you this week. Send them a text. Send them an email. Give them a phone call. Do that age-old practice of breaking out the paper and pen and write them a letter expressing to them your gratitude and how it is that God has used them as an example of faithfulness to spur you on in faithfulness. Are there examples that you've been looking to that you need to distance yourself from? You don't necessarily have to send them a text or write them a letter, okay? But let me encourage you to look for better examples. Three ways to look for examples better examples. One is character studies in the Scripture. There's a, there are more and less helpful ways to do character studies in the Scripture, but Hebrews 11, which we read from earlier, is one example of looking to other examples that we have in Scripture of what it is to walk in faith. And here's one way in which the examples of Scripture are so helpful to us, it's this. As I've talked about examples to follow, friends, there is no perfect example in this life apart from Christ. And you will find multiple chinks 
in every person's armor. And I know that full well for myself as I serve for your, as your pastor. There are no perfect examples. And all of the examples in Scripture help us to see this. And let me suggest one other thing. This is a freebie. The imperfect examples throughout the Scriptures are a suggestion that this is the Word of God. Because if we were writing a book filled with examples worthy of following, we would be tempted to write only how they're perfect. We wouldn't include their flaws. But the Scriptures show us the flaws of the faithful to help us see how it is that we rely upon God's grace as we strive to stumble forward in this life. Look to the examples in Scripture. Let me suggest Christian biographies will help provide examples of faithfulness worthy to follow. And there are a host of them that you could look at. Let me suggest one. John Piper has put together a compilation of multiple books that he wrote. It's entitled, 21 Servants of Sovereign Joy, Faithful, Flawed, and Fruitful. Each one is a lengthy treatment of 21 servants of Christ throughout the history of the Christian church. And I mention this because you can get it free at Desiring God. You can buy it if you want to, but it's also available as a download at Desiring God. 21 Servants of Sovereign Joy. But also, find someone else. Find someone else who you look to as an example or would want to follow as an example and ask them to help you think through a particular issue in your walk with the Lord. Many people are longing for mentors. And if you're longing for someone to speak into your life, don't wait for someone to come to you, but rather go to them with a specific issue, not just nebulous, can we meet and talk and forever. They may not have time for that, but they may be able to sit with you and think through a specific example of how you might walk more faithfully. And who knows what the Lord might do to, with that. That might lead to more and more conversations. But seek someone out who you see as a godly example and ask for their help. There are other ways these lists should cause us to self-reflect. How is it that I tend towards being a negative example? Where can I grow in these characteristics of positive godly examples? Examine your own life before the Lord and ask for His help. Because friends, there is a promise. There is help in this passage. Where is it? We're waiting for a Savior. We're waiting for someone who has promised to come back for us. 
but He has not only promised to come back for us, He has promised to us the gift of His Spirit to walk in faithfulness in this life. So friends, look to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Continue trusting Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow before You once more, Father, we pray that as we consider these examples worthy of following, God, thank You for those whom You have put into our lives who have helped us along the way, some whom we wish we could pick up the phone this week and call them. But in Your providence, we we can't do that. We thank You, Father, for the, the hope that we have, the promise that we have of being able to thank them in eternity. Father, help us to see how we might grow as examples for other to, others to follow. Help us, Father, to look to faithful examples and to be reminded that You have not called on us to go it alone in this Christian life. Father, help us to be circumspect, examining our own lives where it is that we need to put off inclinations of these negative examples and grow in following Christ growing in laying down our lives, growing in anticipating our future home, anticipating a Savior who has promised to return. Help us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.